right, guys, uh, welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of the Jumping the Rail Podcast. Uh, this is Mark Rebin coming to you from my uh, palatial estate in Champaign, Illinois. And uh, we have, as promised, a, uh, a guest co-host joining us. And he is one of uh, my buddies from the music world and also from just our mutual love of professional wrestling. My buddy, the Italian stallion, Gary Vasilio. And Gary, how's it going, buddy? Oh, I have a migraine, so I'm kind of in the dark, and I'm kind of squinty, but I'm here. Uh, well, we're glad you're here, and there's nothing better for a migraine than talking to me. I, I know you've <laughs> always thought that way. Ne- you've never made my head hurt. <laughs> I'll, I'll be gentle with the puns today. Uh See, even with the new format, we're doing this on YouTube now. We're not doing it on Facebook Live anymore, and Dwayne Carter is right on the ball. He's the first one in, so how you doing, Dwayne? And uh, we got some stuff to talk about. Not the uh, horribly newsworthy week, but the last couple of weeks has been kind of interesting. Uh, I guess the first thing we got to talk about is uh, apparently the Elite are coming back to AEW sometime soon on the TV but Mr. Punk will not be from all reports, Gary. I guess uh, old Phil Overstate is welcome in uh, AEW. Uh, Here's what I'm here. It's not conspiracy theory. This is more who's in AEW and who's getting more power in AEW, which is Chris Jericho. And if there's been anybody over the last decade who's been able to keep his mouth shut when he's working an angle, it's Chris Jericho. And people credit him for all these surprises and changing his character. There's still a big part of me that I think what happened was Punk and MJF were supposed to feud yeah. when MJF came back. I think Punk got hurt. And since we haven't heard really anything about that, and you would figure they would at least put a press release out about that, that you had tricep surgery, I think they made a last-minute decision to work an angle. And I don't think, I really don't think Omega was quite ready. He didn't look great. Just the last he had, yeah, he was off. I, and they haven't actually said they released a steal yet. It's just people. They let him go. What? I heard that they did let him go. Well, have you heard it from AEW or from a steal? AEW, I believe, did put out a press release that they uh, released. Yeah, I hadn't seen a press release from them. I just heard Meltzer talking about it. (laughs) Well, he's such a reliable resource, Dave Meltzer. But I still think a lot of it is allowing the internet wrestling community to run wild because how many people actually thought the MJF promo was a real thing? There was a lot of people. I never bought it for a second. No, he wouldn't have gotten away with half of that if it was actually for for real. but But I think Punk realized he was hurt at the end of that match. They went and they're like, what can we do with this? Then they're like, well, Omega's not 100%. What if we work an angle? Because Punk's going to be out for a while with the tricep. Nobody has said anything. 
And if the past has dictated anything, it's Punk can't keep his mouth shut. <laughs> so why would anybody think during this time he would just go radio silent? And which is what he's done. And none and Omega and the Young Bucks haven't said anything. I can't imagine there's any kind of gag order or anything. I I think it's an angle. I really do. I think when Punk comes back, there's going to be a built-in heat angle. But if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think AEW's whole direction right now is shut up and let people believe whatever they want to believe, which is great because you haven't seen that in wrestling since, like, what Kaufman Lawler? <laughs> uh, I think people ECW when the Sandman got blinded by uh, Dreamer. Yeah, and uh, he stayed home for a month and didn't leave his house until he came back. Yeah, um, I I think that Tony Khan. I don't think he's playing like three D chess or anything, but I think Jericho and him talk a lot. And Jericho is smart enough to realize that, hey, we have to do something different, which is kayfabe. How long has it been since kayfabe has been used in wrestling? Like the, the early 90s? They just abandoned it. Everybody goes online now, talks about who, how they love each other. And, they, and you see MJF, which I what we're going to talk about anyway, but like he just shuts up. Like he doesn't, he doesn't leave his house. Like when he, when he no showed that, uh, that signing, uh-huh. he didn't go anywhere. He, and went after the, after his little pipe bomb promo, he didn't go do appearances. He didn't work a show. He didn't go online. He just let it play out. And everybody just was clamoring for somebody to say something. Of course, you've had wrestling, you know, these Alvarez and all those guys saying, oh, no, this this wasn't a work. There's no way this was a work. It was a complete work. And I like it. I, I like not knowing exactly what's going to happen. Like every five seconds. I mean, every once in a while, it's neat for something to get spoiled. But in this day and age of people binging television shows and like there are people who won't watch a new show. They just won't. They'll wait till it's over and then go watch every episode of it. So I think it's a good I think it's a good tactic. I think AEW, if this is what they're doing, which is just bringing kayfabe back, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, got my criticisms about the AEW but I'm, I'm with you. That's one of the things I think they're getting right is they're kind of bringing the mystery back to it. And uh, Yeah, it's like between MJF and Jericho on their social, they never break character, which yeah. is unheard of. Yeah, I've watched I've watched plenty of MJF interviews. He doesn't give them anything. He, he just stays in character. There are even very few, like, people who will talk about what he's like backstage. And there have been a few people that said he's a sweetheart backstage. (laughs) But, and I don't doubt it. I don't think he's really that guy. But he's so good at being that guy that it becomes believable. 
because he doesn't let you believe anything else. And that's what it's supposed to be. It's what That's why people used to fall in love with wrestling. They would fall in love with the characters. Yeah, the characters differ, but it's very similar to how Mark Calloway would do The Undertaker. Yeah. He rarely went out in public without being in character. Like, to events. Never went to the Hall of Fame. No. And yeah, up until that documentary came out last year, nobody really saw much of his personal life. And yeah, that's in he was able to ride that mystique to a Hall of Fame career, plus the fact that he was an incredible worker. Well, yeah. The best big man to ever exist. It just he could do anything and I, I saw in our notes um, the MGF stuff. Are you talking about what they're doing now that's kind of sliding him from being like solid heel into being like a stone cold like heel? Yeah, I just kind of want to get into everything that's gone on since he came back to All Out. With uh, When he came back, they were trying to make him the heel, with, was supposed to be punk, you know? But, yeah. Then, yeah, after all that went down, then they have to pivot and uh, put the bill back on Moxley and have him go against MJF coming up here at the pay-per-view. But it seems like no matter what MJF does, he's getting cheered, even though for all intents and purposes, he should be the biggest heel in the business. Yeah, I mean, that's just wrestling fans being wrestling fans, just being contrary. I mean, people still cheer Jericho, and he's does nothing but heal stuff. That it's because they love Jericho. They love MJF, and because they love MJF. And I don't know if I, I can still see if maybe a swerve coming from this whole like breakup with Stokely Hathaway. It it may be one of those like a uh, another double swerve like with. Uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, you know, like just to make you think that MJF is really going to stand on his own, and then he's just going to cheat to beat Moxley at the pay per view. Um, I mean, that's completely possible, which would make him a bigger heel. But people are still going to cheer him, so it doesn't really matter. He he is so he is so good at being hated that people started to love. And yeah, you, I think they've realized you eventually have to kind of lean into that because you can only say so long that, oh, don't cheer me. I'm a, I'm a bad guy. People are just going to cheer you. So, I mean, they might as well lean in. Yeah, this uh, is awesome. I can actually show you guys comments on the screen. Dwayne, he's on a roll. MJF is a prick and fans are fickle is what he's saying. And he's not wrong on fickle. either one. No, fans are fickle. They are indeed. I, I mean, there are plenty of things that AEW has done stupid. Just absolutely ignorant. <laughs> Where do I begin? <laughs> like, I, I, I really don't like the way... I mean... There's parts of me that like the way they booked Brian. It might be partly him just saying, I don't really care about the title. But, I mean, you have 
but especially like the women's division, that's a, still a train wreck. You have all these women that came in that were hot. Like Ruby Riot should have had a belt. She was so hot when she came in. Plus, she can work. Plus, she can talk. Athena came in. She can work. She can talk. Apparently, she's drawing heat from stiff matches. I don't. I, I, I watched the match. It was a little snug. <laughs> yeah. A little snug. Okay. I've seen. I've seen worse. But. Yeah. Shit, Honestly, man, Oscar last night were getting super snug during the main event. Oh yeah, like if you've ever watched it on Io Shirai versus like Kari Sane match from Japan, man, not only is it real good, it's real snug. By snug, I mean like like all Japan. Like, <laughs> yeah, all Japan snug, yeah. like. It's just they're just hitting each other. Makes so I mean, the, uh, Asuka with Suzuki in Japan when they would uh, go. Yeah, Asuka and Suzuki is a. But yeah, it, the whole MJF thing. I think they have to go with wherever he's going to take that, and I think people are right now riding, just loving him. So they're going to cheer no matter what. It's just like the acclaim, how they got over. They were supposed to be giant heels. Yeah. And then everybody started just following along with the acclaim when they came out and cheering for them. And now they're the hottest tag team in AEW. That ridiculous scissoring business. Yes. (laughs) And Billy Gunn has had a complete career resurgence. So, I mean, there's a lot of things Tony does right. And if this whole kayfabe thing is his idea or Jericho's idea, and they're riding it, that continue it. Like I, I don't care if they ever break with it. I mean, that should be their thing. Like we're the wrestling promotion. You don't know what's going to happen, and eventually that will make people start watching because, hey, I, I'm I I can't just predict what's going to happen here. I, I think it's a good idea. You have to be different somehow. You can't out WWE. You can't out talent wwe you can't go to places on the globe that they can't go it's just an impossibility at this point so you have to do something that they can't do and wwe can't be the promotion that's all kayfabe they they have to have guys who are shaking hands and kissing babies and doing all this stuff aew doesn't have to do that they don't have they don't have stockholders to be beholden to. They don't have major networks breathing down their neck for more screen time for Roman Reigns. So I I think AEW needs to keep this up. I think they have to, just to be different. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, yeah, like you said. Uh, as far as like their storytelling and their booking, I have a lot of issues with. But uh, it's like I said, I think I said this on the show I did with Marvin a few weeks ago. Tony's only been doing this for a little over three years. That's just a whip on the radar in pro wrestling. Yeah. When you look at like a Vince McMahon who did it for 40 before he retired, and then it's so I think Tony's going to figure it out. Retired. <laughs> Reti- yeah, finger quotes retired. But yeah. I think Tony's going to figure it out. It's just uh, he's. The, my one complaint is he looks like a fan a little too much 
Yeah. I mean, it's okay to have the fans in mind when you're booking things. I mean, I, I wish that WWE had done that sooner. Yeah. He's, it seems like he's pushing the people that they're getting really over with the fans for some of the wrong reasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, this isn't a knock on Orange Cassidy. Because uh, he's a hell of a worker, but it's like he's getting over because of the hands in the pockets and then put the yeah. all Atlantic title on him. When I think, honestly, I think Pac should have held that belt for a year. If yeah, because Pac's actually going to, like, he's going to travel the world anyway. And that's what I would have wanted for that title. Yeah. I would have wanted my title to be in every country you could be in. I mean, you don't have to defend that belt on TV every week. Because it's being defended in other nations. I mean, I, that's what I would have used it as. I can see wanting to give Orange Cassidy a title. And since you got Wardlow with the title, and he's apparently never going to lose it <laughs> because he's invincible or whatever. <laughs> Which, hey, don't he's he's a good worker. He's he's growing on me. But it's one, it's one of those situations where you, he was the, like the biggest dude they had when they started. Now he's not the biggest dude they have, yeah. and so it's kind of when they keep throwing big guys at him. But like Hobbs or like Brian Cage or one of those guys, they're probably bigger and stronger than he is. Right. So you're just making them look bad by just you just. Feeding him to feeding them to the wood chipper that is Wardlow. So I, I I would try to get a. I don't think he needs a title at this point. If you're just gonna feed people to him, take the title off and give it to somebody else. Give it to Brian. Give it to somebody. You don't have. You don't have to. You don't have to even have him lose the title, have him stripped, or have something weird happen, or. Have somebody interfere. It doesn't have to be clean. No, but better if it's not. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't think he needs the title. He just needs he just needs to continue being him, being like a little mini Goldberg. <laughs> so what's your uh, what's your take on War Joe, uh, War Joe's tag team with Samoa Joe? I there is nobody. Well, not nobody. There are people. But depending on the night, Joe is probably the best guy in wrestling on the stick. Like, depending on the promo, like if you want information to get across, if you want somebody to look tough, if if you want somebody to deliver a promo that, that has some oomph behind it but not yelling at you, and you know what's going on, it's Samoa Joe. Joe is a great promo. He is as legit as you can get in the business. He can work. He's lost a step, but he's old and older. And so it's not a bad idea to put him with Wardlow. It's not a bad idea to give him a belt that he just kind of shows up with um, because it's still going to give it gravity. But I don't. I don't think Ward, 
or Joe's a, a bad thing for either one of them. It it's kind of protecting Wardlow. It's protecting Joe. You got two guys out there. I don't know what they're going to do with like Brian Cage and all the guys that they're trying to build for Ring of Honor, or if Tony's ever going to get Ring of Honor back up the ground. But I don't mind Warjo. I, I think I think it works for both guys. Yeah, I mean, for it, it gets them on TV, and uh, like I said, and it's not like they're putting them with bad uh, workers. They're putting them with the Kingdom for one thing. Yeah, which is I'm tickled by because I've always been a fan. And uh, I know they're probably going right to Ring of Honor once their TV deal comes up, but uh, I have I have hopes for the Kingdom in AEW because if I can take if I can take you back, Gary, to about 2015 ish. Remember, the Kingdom was a three-man team back in Ring of Honor. Do you remember who the third man was? No. It was one Adam Cole, baby. Oh, yeah. And it seems like young Cole is without a team right now because Bobby Fish is gone and O'Reilly's hurt. (laughs) Cole's hurt, too, to be fair. Bobby Fish talked his way out of a job. He sure did. (laughs) Because he's like, Hunter will take me back by myself. <laughs> no, but because no. you're no. <laughs> and I no. like Bobby Fish, but <laughs> I, I'm not a huge fan. I just don't get it. Like he's just a. If he were a bigger dude that kicked all the time, I could see it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not the world's largest man, but if you're a professional wrestler and your whole gimmick is like you're a kickboxer, like. And you're like a little dude that comes back with kind of a pot belly. I'm not, I don't care. <laughs> like, what which we've talked about before is my one of my big things with with wrestlers. Like, this is your job. Like, your only job is to go out, wrestle in tights in front of people. You need to look intimidating. You need to look jacked. It's just kind of a, a prerequisite to me. Like. I know there are people who are going to who would say like, "Oh, you're shaming body shame." I'm not body shaming you, but like, if you were a firefighter, I would expect you to wear like your coat in your in your helmet, because that's part of your job. Like, and if you're but if you're a worker and you're going out there and you look, you you're looking like soft and and the other guy you're not is not like you just look bad in the match. Doesn't matter how well you work, you look bad. But yeah, Cole, he had uh, was it concussion issues or something? I can't hear you. Can't hear you.
it helps if I unmute the microphone. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I said, I'm I'm brand new with this yeah. software, so I'm going to make mistakes because I am not a smart man. So so that's apologies on my end. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm agreeing with everything you're saying here, Gary. But Cole had Cole had concussion issues, right? So he's out until he's not out, basically. And then he had like I want to say he had some shoulder or arm arm problems to go along with that. Yeah, a lot of shoulder problems. So, I mean, just um, it sounds bad, but you know, you're getting paid. Just heal. Yeah. It, it, you're you're going to have a spot. Yeah. And I, I, I think there's a lot of grass is greener ideal idolizing wrestlers right now. I, I think there's a lot of guys who are looking at Hunter being in charge as like traveling back to Oz or something, you know, they just want to click their ruby slippers together and go back home. And I, I don't think there's, they'll run into the same thing that Tony's running into. Like he's got too many, he's got too many people. It's not just like too many people. He's got too many people that can actually do their job well. Yeah. It's an embarrassment of riches to be sure. Yeah. I mean, it's good to have a bunch of people if some of them are guys you can just job out. But if you can't afford to job people out because it's going to make them look bad, then you have problems like they're having now. Well, Where you guys looking weak for no reason other than somebody has to beat somebody. Yeah, see, with me, it's like you could have this many guys, but just don't use them all every week. Like, do like one week with, say, for WWE have the bloodline and Rollins and AJ and yeah all your some of your bigger names on one week and then the next week pick a whole new card of wrestlers and just kind of rotate them so number one everybody's getting the same amount of TV time and nobody's yeah. getting overused everybody's getting an angle you know because that's where Vince Russo got it right everybody always had an angle when he was writing for WWE yeah. I mean, uh, prime prime example of like that is, Sam, well, you got the bloodline, but that you you don't have everybody from the bloodline wrestling every week. It's going to be Sammy or Solo probably. Usually, yeah. And but that saves the other three as attractions, mm-hmm. which is good because. The Usos were, I, I couldn't have cared less about an Usos match near the, near the you know, near, about midway through their run. Because I saw them do everything an Uso could do. <laughs> like, anything an Uso was capable of doing, I've seen it done. And they're good. But I, do I think they're the best tag team in the world? No. That's FTR. Gary, I'm going to warn you, that doesn't sound very oozy of you right now. No. I know. I need to work on my oosiness. <laughs> Can you believe they got like over like 12 million hits online for that segment alone from Friday night? I do because Sami Zayn's a genius. He's awesome, isn't he? <laughs> but that's, 
that this is an angle that Vince started, but Vince would have killed weeks ago. And he would have, Sami Zayn would have gotten beaten up by Roman Reigns or by the Usos. Kevin Owens would have came out. There would have been a tag match. Sammy would have turned face again. He would have started tagging with Owens. Kevin Owens would have been relegated to the Shadow Realm <laughs> or wherever. Hang on, what reference is that? You're a comic book guy. That's oh, that's you. That's Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> anime. Okay, I know nothing about anime. So, but, and so, instead, Triple H is like, let's see where this goes. And now Sami Zayn is an honorary oose who is having Jay work on his oosiness, uh-huh. who is repeatedly every week making those guys break character because they're having fun. It's adding another layer to the whole dynasty thing that was to me i know there are other people that dig it but it was so stale to me because roman's been champion forever and i just once again don't care anymore because every roman reigns match is another it's solid but it's just another roman reigns match and paul Heyman's as good as you can get on the mic but you can only do so much so adding Sami Zayn to that mix to be more to do usify the uses <laughs> is is genius. So where it ends, I don't know. I'm I'm guessing I'm guessing Jay will somehow cost if I if I were booking it, Jay would Jay and Jimmy would lose the tag titles to somebody, but it'll be Jay's fault. And then to try to make up for it, he tries even harder and loses Roman at least one of the belts. I mean, The Rock's going to come back probably. So I would have Jay Uso cost Roman one of the titles to The Rock. Or The Rock come out and Jay, like, side with him. Something. I don't think The Rock needs a belt. I, I think he needs more than one match. But you gotta get him involved in that match somehow. But you're not gonna put the belt on Logan Paul. He's no. not gonna do it. So I, I don't know who it'll be. It'll be Drew, maybe, maybe Killer Cross. <clears throat> but I mean, do they just hold out until Cody comes back? Well, is that Rumble time? He's supposed to be back. Oh, around there, yeah. Cody comes back, wins a Rumble. <clears throat> and I, yeah, I would have Rock if if you could do it. I would have Rock versus Reigns at the Rumble. Ooh. And I don't know about that. I, 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 well, I mean that's only if you have more than one match with the Rock. Yeah, I, I, I would want if if I were fantasy booking it, it would be a best of three. Or at least a best of two. Like I would have the Rock win one and then go out on his back at Mania. Yeah, I'd have Reigns get it back at Mania, but I I don't think I'd put the title back on it because I don't think Reigns needs a title once he's beat the Rock. No. Honestly, I don't think I could see Roman dropping the belt before he ever touches the Rock. Oh yeah, he needs to. It just needs to be about control of the family. Yeah, that needs to be more important than any title. 
it'll be the title of Tribal Chief. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the Rock the needs table. to be, yeah, Rock needs to beat him at some point to become head of the table. Then he can send in, he just send in promos, and then doesn't even have to be there. And then Roman's got to get the Tribal Chief's moniker back. And the only way to do that is to beat beat Rocky. And so you do that at Mania. Because I don't... Yeah, Dwayne... Give me cut you off. Dwayne, uh, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that it's going to be at WrestleMania if it happens. Sorry. <laughs> it's got to be a big enough payday to get the rock out of bed. <laughs> pretty much. And the only Speaking of... guaranteed giant payday is going to be Mania, so... Yeah. So, speaking of The Rock, what did you think of his daughter popping up on NXT on uh, last Tuesday? I hope she's decent. She's been training a long time. I I know she's had some injury issues. Her promo wasn't horrible. I know they're trying, like, the... They're they're trying, like, an alternative-type gimmick with her. I hope it works. I mean, it's always nice to see... But would she be fourth generation? Yeah, she's the first fourth-generation wrestler in the history of WWE. I hope she's good. She will be once she has her first match. Yeah, I hope. I hope she's good. I'm sure she's still green. I mean, she will be. Her dad was just a smidge green when he started. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty green still. So, (laughs) he he did okay. (laughs) He did all right. He made a nice little name for himself there. Yeah, yeah, he he made a few he made a few towns. Hey, he uh, fueled this podcast for almost a year with his Terramana. Yeah. Although he has a special place in, in, in my heart. So, yeah. Yeah, I think if it's me, you have the Elimination Chamber. I think this happened before Mania again this year. I don't know if it's right before. But that's where I would have, uh, have Roman drop the belt in a multi-man match, you know. So yeah, he can, have, he can have that excuse to where if he wants another shot, he's got it. But, but yeah, I mean, I would put the belt on. If it's not Cody, I'm almost inclined to just put it on uh, on Rollins because there's really not anybody in the company having better matches than Rollins these days. It's true. Although, <clears throat> kind of going back to our of our thesis about heels, I don't know if Rollins is really a heel right now. He was working and acting like a babyface last night on Raw. In wrestling that, theory. Yeah, I see we forgot completely about theory. You know why? Because the WWE's forgotten completely about Yeah, theory. he's getting the cooldown treatment right now. And I could care less. <laughs> I know some people are, are big fans of his. Like he's a pretty good worker. His promos aren't bad. I've seen the cocky, good-looking guy gimmick before. Yeah. And yeah. Shawn Michaels did it better. Yeah. Dolph Ziggler does it better. Yeah. Miz? Miz does it better. <laughs> Grayson so, Waller's doing it better. He's on NXT. Grayson Waller is a great heel. Oh, there's a pretty good heel. Yeah. <laughs> Very unlikable. I think he's probably unlikable in real life. <laughs> Fairly sure he's a jerk in real life. 
but he he's, might be. He, Um, is there in WWE heels toxic attractions? Not bad as a heel stable. They're they're getting their cheers though because you know the hot. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. I mean Corbin, he's always going to be a a nuclear heel because nobody likes Corbin. That's because nobody likes Corbin. (laughs) I don't. I don't think it's because he's a great heel. Just nobody likes him. He's just unlikable. Yeah. Which what do you think if, of him with JBL right now? Uh, it's perfect because Baron Corbin, no matter how hard he tries, can't cut a promo. <laughs> it always comes across flat. Yeah. So JBL can can get you over. He's Let come JBL in come over. JBL comes in three weeks ago and is already the best talker in the company. <laughs> yeah. Because he's, he's not afraid to get heat, which is so important with the good heel. Yeah. The only I thing mean, is... oh, sorry. Rhea Ripley may be the best heel you have right now. She might be the best character they got going right now. Because she's just, she's pretty dedicated to it. I have a feeling Beth Phoenix is going to show up at Crown Jewel. I don't think Edge is supposed to be there. No, but they need somebody with AJ that's going to nullify Rhea and Beth take out. And so, like, even if Edge isn't going to be there, like Beth would show up. I I I can see that happening. That makes a lot of sense. Everybody's saying Charlotte, but no, it's got to be Beth. I don't see Charlotte just picking. Coming in and deciding, hey, I'm going to take on Rhea Ripley. But Beth has a reason. Yeah. So. And also, for my money, I think Rhea needs to be the one to beat Bianca and take that uh, women's title. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, you, you've. And rightfully so, Bianca's really good. She's really strong. She is really fast. She is. She is everything she says she is. Yeah. She's gotten a lot better on the mic, mm-hmm. but I think Bianca makes a better heel than the oh, face. Absolutely. If you're going to keep her as champion, I don't like her as a face champion. Make her a heel. Oh no, definitely keep her a heel. But I would. But if you have her versus Rhea, and then you still have somehow have Bianca being the stronger of the two, that's got to be impossible. Rhea Ripley is just a beast. Oh, and she, shit. You saw her body slam gallows last week. Yeah. She's no joke. That is not easy she, to do. She's learned how to cut a, a promo. She's learned how to... Her facial expressions are great. So, Rhea... She's I'm not Dominic watchable. That's most impressive. Yeah. She, Dominic's mommy is making Dominic watchable. <laughs> I, I think what they should do with Dominic is... They need to really lean into the Eddie Guerrero was his actual father. I've been saying this for weeks. (laughs) Yeah. For anybody on the the internet watching us, we have not talked about this. We just think that much alike a lot of the time. But, like, it should be. It should be a lot of. It should be. Hey, I know Ray. Dominic needs to start calling his dad Ray. Yeah. 
is that while Ray is over on SmackDown where he belongs, I wish my real dad was here though still, because Eddie was the greatest wrestler of all time. <laughs> and just start doing stuff like that. Where it's just like Dominic Guerrero. Yeah, start. Yeah, exactly. Just start and, and say, you know, I've came to the judgment day and I'm turned over a new leaf and to completely turn over a new leaf, I'm taking on a name I should have taken on years ago because it's the truth. And I'm, from now on, I'm Dominic Guerrero. And then that's going to gain nuclear heat. People are gonna be, you know, oh, that's Eddie's name. It's like, no, no, Eddie's my dad. <laughs> and, then just, in and then he can just show Ray being sad all the time. <laughs> Nobody likes a sad Ray Mysterio. Bad <laughs> clown. Nobody likes. Nobody likes sad Ray. Ray. No. <laughs> all right. So Dwayne has a question on here, and I'm gonna put it to you. He asked. Do you like Nikki Cross going back to role gimmick? That ASH gimmick wasn't working for me, Dwayne says. I agree. Uh, I love Nikki's sanity. Yeah. No, Nikki has has a crazy, tough, strong chick. Is great. The almost a superhero thing was awful. Yeah. That That was a Vince McMahon... Wanting to sell merchandise to appeal to little kids. Well, something. now, hang on. Now, Nikki came up with that gimmick herself. Well, then Vince should have been smart enough not to let her do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the worst thing they could have done was put that title on her after like a month with the, with the gimmick. They just totally hot shot her, and then she can only go, only go down from there. But uh, the thing is, I like the crazy Nikki. It's just so cool to watch. The crazy stops with the entrance. Like if you watched the match last night, it was just a normal wrestling match. She she didn't have any of the crazy in her. Yeah. Oh, is that the cat? That's one of them. Yes. Which yeah. one is that one? That's Cuddles. Cuddles. <laughs> yes. Get a couple some less manly names for your cat, man. Well, she's a she's a she, so. Well, <laughs> then it, it works. But uh, no, the, no, I agree with Dwayne. I like the Nikki ASA gimmick being gone. I was hoping Dewdrop would start getting a push because I know Hunter liked her. Mm-hmm. Under and her she's original name. Yeah, Hyper. Yeah. Because she's good, and she's safe. Yeah. And she can cut a promo, and she can be a heel. Mm-hmm. So let her do any of that, and I. Because you have a bunch of really tiny women running around WWE, and you need somebody to be like your. And you're not allowing Rhea Ripley to be your Andre the Giant. So what are you doing? Like, right. you have five foot tall Alexa Bliss becoming multi time champion. She's now your tag team champion. Mm-hmm. And you have Raquel. Was it Rodriguez now? Rodriguez now, yeah. Who is jacked and tall? You have Rhea Ripley, who is jacked and tall. You have Bianca. Piper, Bianca, who's jacked and tall. But you don't have them working each other. You don't, because if you're going to. So it's just kind of a. 
a mess. I don't know if they're waiting for Charlotte to come back to take the belt off Bianca. Who is the other champion? Uh, right now, it's Ronda. Oh. Yeah, see how easily I forget that? Because I just don't care. <laughs> I'll tell you what I do I, like, though. It seems like they're working their way to having Ronda and uh, Baszler as a, as a duo again. Wouldn't mind them as tag champions. No, me either. I wouldn't mind at this point if they had like a mid card title for the women because you have you do have a lot of women now and then you could I would put it on Baszler and Rousey I mean I would make them kind of the bloodline if you're going to push somebody might as well do it that way right plus I, I Shayna Baszler is a much better worker than Ronda Rousey I, I wouldn't I also wouldn't mind if Rousey put over Baszler. See, that was yeah. my original idea was with Rousey as champion then have a feud with Shayna. And it could go either way. Ronda could be the heel or Shayna could be the heel. And they could have some really good matches with the just going just go stiff, you know, submissions, all that stuff. Yeah. And they wouldn't be afraid to lay it in, you know. Yeah, I would See, it, I know you. I know they want to put Liv over, and Liv's not a bad worker, and her gimmick's not horrible. But I would have had Shayna win the Money in the Bank, and then Rousey get blindsided by her because she's not expecting her best friend to cash in. Yeah, I would have had her cash in on a at a very inopportune time. And Rousey just be completely blindsided by it. And then you can just have them work each other. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. Dwayne, of course, is suggesting they bring back Nia Jax. Uh, I know Dwayne loves Nia Jax, but yeah. she, she... She... Sucks out loud, you can say it. Oh, she's awful. <laughs> Not bad on the mic. She killed Shayna's run. She almost killed Becky. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was as legit as you can get. She was strong. She was pretty fast. Yeah, just she just never. She just wasn't super safe by any means. I don't yeah. think she'll. I don't think she's looking to come back. I I think she's kind of in a burnout phase. I don't think they would have her back right now. There's no real place for her. I mean, but she was just another. She was another, like, Big Show. Like, we've always talked about, never understood why they never pushed Big Show, never gave him more titles. He was well over seven foot tall, could move, could talk, could be a healer face, and yet they did nothing with him. Nia Jax is the same way. But with Bigger, 85 face turns. Yeah. This did, never did anything with her. And so why would you want her back if you're still not going to do anything? As soon as Charlotte comes back, the world's going to revolve around her anyway. Her and Becky. It usually does. Lord knows if Sasha ever comes back, what they'll do with her. <laughs> yeah, safe money, she'll be right back in the title hunt. But uh, I would like to see them pull the trigger on getting Naomi and Sasha back in. And even if it's not as a tag team. I'm sure Bailey is going to take the belt off of 
somebody. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be Bianca. Might be, but I don't know if they would do that at Crown Jewel tonight. Or if they would That's save true. that. Yeah, Dwayne says, have Nia Jax feud with Shayna Baszler. That would have that would have been all right about two years ago, but it's kind of it kind of lost its luster after the tag run, I think. Yeah, but that's just. I think, I think that's what they were going for, and then it that's just now you got dumb. Yeah, that makes sense because yeah, it seemed like they were getting ready for that. But anyway, <laughs> so moving on. Just a uh, so the big question is, where have all the heels gone? That's kind of what we're focusing on. And uh, is there? Because if you look at it, just every company's top heels are getting cheered too much. Because you got Jericho and MJF and AEW. You got Rollins. You got Roman. In WWE, you know, and it just seems like they've forgotten how to be an effective heel, which is what JBL's been doing as a mouthpiece. So, if you had a choice, Gary, who would be your top heel knowing that they could just piss everybody off without any second thoughts? Um, if they had, like, carte blanche to do whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, it's easy to say MJF because he's just a good heel, but honestly, and I'm not a big punk fan, but Punk right now coming back as a heel, if they if he does come back, he could be the biggest heel in wrestling. Because you work that whole angle with him like bad mouthing uh, uh, Cabana. You have him talk like when he comes back, you have him like brag about like how he took you know he beat up the elite by himself, like him and Ace Steel. And Larry the dog. <laughs> be a elite. Oh, Larry. You just have him come back and just be Punk, who who is widely known as kind of a kind of a jerk. <laughs> no. <laughs> just allow him to do that. And oh, don't yeah. and don't like shy away from it. And when Tony like just every week have Tony's come out and find him and Punk just be like, here. Here's the money. Just pull a big wad out of his pocket. Just pull it, pull it out of his pocket, and say, well, "How much is it this time?" Here you go, and just have make it not even register that he cares. You just just have him come out, cut promos. He doesn't have to wrestle every week because I don't really think I have never like, not like. He's a good. He's a good worker, but I've never saw him as best in the world type worker. He's solid, but on the mic and character wise, he's he's always been good. So if you if you allowed him to come back and just be 
a heel, I think he could be nuclear hot. Yeah, but nobody right now, because like you were saying, like no, you you don't have anybody who is just a heel. They're always like a tweener. Or you got people, a bunch of people singing their song or mm-hmm. cheering for them. Because Jericho's doing just completely despicable stuff. He's beating up announcers. He's beating up uh, old Brody. retired wrestlers and getting cheers every week. People are singing his song still because they love Chris Jericho. And so you can't make him, there is no way to make him a heel. They tried. They tried him coming out and not allowing people to sing the song, changing the song, not playing it. People didn't care. So, and Rollins, I I just don't think he's, with the character he's got right now, I, I don't think he's got, I don't think he's got heal, like nuclear heat ability. Roman's been around he's been champion too long it i don't know it doesn't there's even even brock lesnar at this point people like him now so (laughs) i don't know yeah i don't know in AEW that i think is getting there as far as being a despicable heel and that's uh, Swerve, uh, Strickland. Yeah. Well, he's been doing some pretty shitty things lately. <laughs> breaking Billy Gunn's finger with vice grips. <laughs> because, hey, Mark, guess what's not apparently illegal? <laughs> Kidnapping and torture. It's <laughs> what I love about wrestling. It's like, how do we make this guy a better heel? Oh, we'll have him kidnap this person. Basically hold them for ransom. Well, are the cops called? Oh, no, no. We'll just have a match next week. <laughs> because that's what you do. <laughs> when, when somebody kidnaps somebody, you don't call the police. Because you have video proof that they did it. <laughs> and their own admittance. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, it's like... Nobody's denying. So, so Billy Gunn doesn't walk directly out of there because Swerve's going to let him go because they, that's what they do. <laughs> or somebody's going to save him. And as soon as he gets out, he's, he's just going to be like, you know what? In, instead of sending you to jail for the rest of your life, <laughs> I'm just going to wrestle you in a match. Not even getting fired. Let's not get you fired from the company for kidnapping me. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just going to wrestle you <laughs> for very small stakes. <laughs> oh, wrestling! <laughs> British show on earth, is it not? It's only better when somebody steals somebody else's wife. And then, or there's like a wedding that gets ruined, and then there's there's no like lawsuit about like loss of like defamation of character or destruction of personal property or anything. It's just 
It's just, oh, I'll see you at the pay-per-view. <laughs> how, how many times have you seen a wrestler steal somebody's car in the parking garage to chase someone out of the arena? Or, or Stone Cold filling a car with concrete <laughs> or running it over with a big, like, Bigfoot. <laughs> we can go on with all of these. Vince, Mc... top 10 Vince McMahon was committed on television. Vince McMahon was hated Stone Cold Steve Austin so much that he kept trying to fire him. And yet, when Stone Cold would do something that was actually illegal that he could be put in jail for, he never pressed charges. When he got when he attacked McMahon in the hospital and and rectally violated him. <laughs> You know, on television, he did nothing. <laughs> nothing. That bedpan shot was epic, though. Yes. You know, I think that's the first time that rectally violated has been uttered on this podcast. Well, and Terry's that, making history. That had to be done eventually. So. <laughs> no, it didn't have to. <laughs> but yeah, I think that needs to be a top ten coming up sometime. Top ten crimes committed on wrestling television. Uh, you know who could have you could have been the biggest heel in wrestling because it was a really good gimmick. Who's that? If they hadn't hot shotted Edge leaving Judgment Day. What Edge was doing with Judgment Day, the way he was approaching it, he could have been the best heel they had right now. Instead, for some reason, Vince got this idea that he had he had to get another face. He's got so many people was, he could use. Cody got hurt. They didn't have another main event baby face. I don't. It doesn't matter. I, but no, it doesn't matter to us. But I think that's what Vince was thinking. Yeah, of course. I would have had Edge beat Reigns at Mania yeah. like a year ago, but that's just me. Because he's only got so many matches left. I think he's talking about retiring in like a year. Yeah, he said the next time they're in Toronto, he wants to have his last match, and that's like in August. Yeah. If, or, oh, you know, you might be the best heel. Who's that? Or Christian Cage. Yes. Right now. Definitely. I didn't even think he of it. He's one of my yeah, he's one of my favorite workers, and I almost forgot. But the way he's, the, the heel he is playing right now, it's perfect. It's unrelenting, uncaring, brutal, mm -hmm. and he's just doing it. Like he, he's not winking at the camera. He's not trying to make you like him. It's the exact opposite of that, and people don't like him. People don't like Luchasaurus now, which is no. pretty impressive because everybody loved Luchasaurus. People boo Luchasaurus now, which is what you wanted, and that's what he gave you. And you got over Jungle Boy in the process. Yeah, and they're, it seems like they're kind of trying to phase out the name. Trying to get yeah. his real name in there a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. I think Jungle Boy Jack Perry or, you know, Jack Perry or... or I think it's Jack. A, yeah, Jungle, jungle Jack Perry. <laughs> I, I don't... That sounds like an animal handler, though. Yeah, I mean, at this point, like, Jungle Boy, he's talking now, and he's not riding around on Luchasaurus anymore, so I would move to Jack Perry. And then 
that's who he is. So, yeah, heel-wise, I think the best pure heel right now in wrestling is Christian. And if he hadn't got hurt, he would, you know, I would have had him. Was the TNT champion? Or I I might have actually made him my champion champion. Well, I probably would have because I love him. (laughs) But yeah. Personally, I wouldn't get him my champion. That but. first uh, interim title with Mox had, I told Nars, I would have had Christian beat him for that interim title and then take on Punk. Yeah, I would have still had him have uh, Luchasaurus as muscle. Christian's always better when he's pulling strings. Mm-hmm. Um, like in TN, TNA when he had, was it AJ and who else? Uh, was it Tomko? Yeah, it was Tomko and then like Abyss and Binary One. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love TNA. But yeah, he might be the best heel, and that's just because, and he's not doing anything special. He's just not being nice, and he's repeatedly not being nice, and he's doing it purposely, and he's not expecting anybody to like him. Seems like he actually does not want anyone to like him. Yeah, and I, I think that's, like when Kenny Omega tries to be a heel, it he can't do it. He was trying to be a heel when he came out and was running down Will Ospreay. And um, sorry, uh, but when he was running down Will Ospreay and uh, it didn't work. It just seemed like he was some sort of schoolyard insult and then another insult and then, oh, wait, I'm Kenny Omega. Everybody loves me. And this didn't. The Young Bucks as heels, they wasn't bad, but they were still the Young Bucks. They didn't change their style much in the ring. That That's my other rule of being a heel. You have to be a talker, but your actions have to follow and your in-ring work has to change. You can't just keep doing the same stuff. You can't just do 14 super kicks a match and smile to the crowd and pose and you have your your work has to follow your persona. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And uh, Osprey's another guy. He's working heel in Japan, but he's over because of how good he is that it's hard to, for him to stay a heel. Yeah. Osprey is one of those guys kind of like kind of the same thing I thought about Ricochet. Less is more because he's going to kill him. One, he's going to kill himself. Just re- and he's going to blow out his knees. So but he's also just He's got AEW syndrome where it's just they decide that they're going to throw everything every week and eventually you, you're going to see all of it. And with Osprey, I know he's always got something new, but just save some of it. He has been working smarter lately, though. He's not flying around as much. He's doing some more ground-based off the yeah. top, so. so he's got that, but then he'll pull out that high-flying stuff 
every now and then. Like when you look at that uh, trios match of uh, United Empire against the Elite on Dynamite during the tournament. Yeah. That's when he was pulling that stuff out because he had to keep up with the Bucks and with Kenny, you know. Yeah, but the, like I, if I never see another Bucks versus Lucha Bros match again, I don't care. Yeah, that's kind of you know what it is, Mark, and I—I I think you're going to laugh at this because it's—it's a God's honest truth. First time you saw that match, it was basically Jerry Lynn versus Rob Van Dam one. Then every match after that, just like Jerry Lynn versus Rob Van Dam, it's the same match, but you add one move. <laughs> That's a God's honest truth. Jerry Lynn versus Rob Van Dam after match one, every match they added one spot. And then they proceeded to wrestle each other 19 more times. <laughs> so, like Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros, first match, it was spectacular. But every match after that, there was like, um, let's do another super kick here. And then, oh, we'll do a. Canadian Destroyer off of this onto this. That's our new spot. But it's not new. It's just an old move in a new spot. Hey, should we do a DDT? Yeah, but I'll kick out at one. <laughs> why, why don't you DDT me five times in a row and then immediately cover me, even though I've been putting offense on you for ten minutes, and then you do five to me and then you immediately cover me, and then I'll kick out at one and a half. Because <laughs> that makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Anybody that kicks out of a DDT or a pile driver should get fined $500 every time. Yeah. No, like, if, if I had the ear of anybody or if I had a promotion that would be my that would be my finable offense or my I'm not booking you anymore offense would be okay here are your moves you you can't kick out of a DDT or a pile driver or a cutter I would not allow people to just steal moves all the time you would, you would have to like pick your move set and stick with it, not just pull a cutter out in the middle of a match. And I would also have, you would have to actually work a match. Like you, you couldn't just do spot, spot, spot. Guy kicks out, then he does spot, spot, spot to you. That it's just, there's no flow to the match that way. You gotta allow people to breathe with it. All right. Well, Gary, I'm gonna switch topics here because uh, we're getting off on our, our usual tangents. And as yes. As long as it is for me to hear you rail on what you what drives you nuts about wrestling, then yeah. we got we got to keep it moving here. Uh. Although it is true, when we go to wrestling shows, we're like Statler and Waldorf up in the stands. Yes. With some of these matches. So let's uh, let's get into Crown Jewel here on uh, 
Saturday. It's going to be, well, it'll be on around noon here, <laughs> which is prime time Saudi Arabia. And it's actually a pretty good looking card. I don't know why I'm using my mouse to run my iPad here. So let's run through some of these matches. And I don't really see a bad match on Rollins versus Kurt. So you got, uh, well, I, I may spoke too soon. Omos versus Braun Strowman. Uh, uh, that could be horrible. That that could very easily be horrible. As long as they do big guy versus What's that? As long as they do big guy versus big guy stuff, where one tries to slam the other, can't get him up, and then the other one tries to slam the other one, and then eventually somebody slams somebody. That's way. I'm sorry. That's what it should be. Well, you know darn well Braun's going to throw a drop kick. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like Taker doing. Taker doing his sort of flipping clothesline at pay-per-view. That used to be a flipping clothesline that is no longer. Then it just became a clothesline. Yeah, it's just a clothesline. So yeah, I think that match is probably going to be the stinkeroo of this show. And no fault of those guys. I mean, it's really hard to have a, a competitive match when you're that big, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think... One of the ones I'm looking forward to is uh, Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross inside a cage. I think it's just it's good. No, it's yeah, I forgot good. they were doing that. I think that's yeah, that should be good. Show. That could be really good. But the psychology is perfect. They're trying to keep Scarlet out of the ring. I just wish Cross would stop using a sleep. I I don't want anybody ever to use a sleeper hold again for a finish. But that's just my personal peccadillo. I now, see, I don't agree. But, and like, Cross does... But it would be okay to me if that's what they worked on. If they if they were doing, like, rest holds the whole time. Or if they were doing nerve holds or something. But Cross does a bunch of slams. So... I would rather him use a slam as a finish instead of like just a, a basically a, a laying down sleeper hold. I have I have a precedent that nullifies your argument, sir, and it's spelled with three letters: T A Z. Ah. yeah, but I never liked that either. <laughs> so I was like, he's a human suplex machine that finishes people with a submission hold. <laughs> I never understood it. Same reason I don't understand. I don't understand Hook using it. I well, I do because it was his dad's finish. But Hook can throw suplexes, though. So use a suplex as your finish. But yeah, McIntyre versus Cross could be could steal the show. Pick me a winner. Who's who's taking it? Sentimentally, I would love to see Drew win because I think he's way too talented and got way too much of the shaft during the call it the dead ball era. The Thunderdome era. The Thunderdome era. I think he deserves a, another shot. Yeah, I agree with that. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Drew also. Plus, if Cross wins, then where's the where's the psychology? Where's the rubber band? I don't know. I don't know who Cross would go after. If he was working babyface, I'd say Gunther because those two would have an awesome match. Oh yeah. I mean, you could still have him beat Gunther. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, if Drew loses, I would immediately have him go after Gunther, oh, yeah. then give the belt and let him run with it. Even though I'm a huge Gunther fan, so I like, I want to see Gunther hold that title as long as he held the uh, UK title. But I don't know. Yeah. All right. Uh, next match: Bailey and Bianca. I mean. It is what it is. I mean, we've seen it a few times already this month. Yeah, I'm uh, hoping they give it to Bailey. It'll I'd be a like good match. That. It'll be a solid match. Yeah, it's a Bailey win for Hunter. <laughs> Bailey doesn't have bad matches. No. So it'd be almost impossible for that match to be bad. Yeah, the only time you see Bianca have a bad match is when her opponent is uh, not up to snuff. Yeah, she's too athletic. If somebody can lead her, she'll be fine. Right. That's but she's not so helpful. She's not capable of of carrying the match herself yet. She will be someday once she gets the psychology down. That's where I think her and Rhea would be so so good because I think Rhea's at that point where she can kind of yeah she could kind of run run the show a little bit. But that's for another. Speaking of Rhea, uh, Judgment Day versus the OC. Uh, um, I think Beth, Beth comes back, joins the OC. Possibly Charlotte. I don't think it'll be Charlotte. But I think they're going to add a woman to nullify Ripley. Right. And then it's going to be the OC over Judgment Day. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... That's kind of what I'm thinking, too. I mean, the Judgment Day needs to heat up a little bit more. Right now, it's basically the Rhea and Dom show. But yeah. they need to get get a little more juice on Priest and on Balor. <laughs> but, uh, but that's just me. But yeah, I see. Yeah, I, I like the idea of Beth coming out and helping them. But uh, it makes me wonder about when War Games comes around, who's going to be... Uh, Who's going to be where? Because they're doing two matches: Survivor Series and War Games. A men's match, a women's match. Oh. So, uh, you can either do something with the Judgment Day, or you could do it with uh, Bloodline. You know, depending on which way you want to go. There we go. But the uh, yeah. So as we get closer to that, we'll see more. But you need. I want to see them get kind of back to that, not to the point that AEW is doing it, but go back to kind of where they were in the Attitude Era with they had some really good groups going that made some very interesting matchups. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't need to be all riding on motorcycles or beating the Bariquas, you know. But as much as I. I mean, they can't all be the Heart Foundation, right? Uh, can't even all be Disciples of Apocalypse. Which is true. 
So let's see what we got. Uh, tag team title match. Apparently the Usos can leave the country because they're defending against the Butch and uh, Holland for the uh, tag titles. I I don't see the Usos losing anytime soon. Well, I think what they're doing is flying a private plane from America to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> so they can go that way. Because <laughs> the Saudi government's letting them in. They, they can't go to Canada. Because Canada oh. won't let them in. I don't think this is real, Dwayne. Dwayne asking... You saw a post about Zeus going in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I've been wrong before, but I, I don't I don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, let's see, Bobby versus Brock. Uh, uh, no, I want no stipulation. I think it's just a straight up match. I want Bobby. I'm to up, I'm, I worry about Bobby in that matchup because every time he takes that German from Brock, he takes it weird on his shoulder. I know he's already hurt doing it once, but if it would, I would be fine with them just getting upset with each other and finding out who was actually stronger and tougher. <laughs> <laughs> because that would I think closer than people give it credit for. Yeah, on busted open, they had a good up, idea where they should be in the fight pit at some point. Yeah. I think if Bobby ever got upset, <laughs> there would be a lot of problems that could not be solved. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That dude is I really fast. I wouldn't mess with you with one of those guys. No. <laughs> but yeah, I, if it was me, I would have this match be a schmoz and a no-winner. Just they beat the crap out of each other, then take out the referee or something. And then move on, go to a street fight, then fight pit and be done. And I have the fight pit. Or, you, or you have them like go off the stage through another stage or something and they're both out. Oh, that old chestnut, eh? Yeah, big <laughs> spectacle for your for the Saudis and I'd like to think Hunter's more original than that though. Yeah. There's only so many new things under the sun though. Very true. All right. Then the last one we got, main event, uh, Roman versus Logan Paul. Uh, it's like you said, Roman's not losing anytime soon. It's going to be longer and better than people give it credit for because yep. Logan's really athletic. He's going to do something stupid, and it'll be it'll be memorable. Roman's a solid, as solid a worker as you're going to get. He's going to walk him through it. He's going to hold his hand. And Roman's going to come out as a champion. I think Logan's going to hit the punch, and he's going to get like a two and nine tenths count out of it. Yeah, just get that really close false finish. But... Or yeah, think... he'll hit it, and then Roman will kick out, but then he'll hit another one, and then it'll be outside interference, or the referee will be distracted or something. I think he'll... I'm going to I'm going to adjust that. He's going to hit the first one, get the false finish. He's going to load up for the second one. But before he can throw it, uh, Sokoa or whoever will get up on the apron. He'll take yeah. it. Then he'll turn yeah. around and take a spear from Roman. Yeah. We know Sammy won't be there, but the Sammy is a man of principle. It's true. He will not be there. 
Uh, but somebody who will be there, Gary, and thank you for the segue. Uh, they announced it yesterday. Bray Wyatt is going to be a crown jewel, which makes me think he's going to show up after the main event and get in Roman's face. Maybe. I think right now they're having him versus himself on promos, though. So. Or, or <laughs> Jeff Jarrett in a top hat. Yeah, I'm not sure who it is. <laughs> it looks like Jeff Jarrett. But, but yeah, it's I'm pretty sure. Bray's voice, though. I think it's Bray. Like, these promos are just Bray versus himself, but they need to speed it up. It's dragging a little bit. But having... If they, if they strap Bray, I would be fine with that, because... The work he's done on the mic since he's been back has been incredible. And yeah. his work in the ring has never been bad. It's no, different than everybody good. else, but it's not bad. I would never, ever let him be the Fiend again because that character was they, just dumb. They killed it. In all they, possible over, they overdid it way too much. Yeah, he's too unstoppable. He was just... Whenever you have somebody you can't... Yeah, you you can't beat somebody. There's no point in having them, unless you're Goldberg. Yes, I'm sorry, Goldberg. Yes. So, yeah. so yeah, I think it's going to be a solid show. I don't think it's going to be like WrestleMania good, but I think it'll be, I think it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So, Gary, we're going to do something new today. I kind of teased this on uh, on socials. It's something that we had discussed on the podcast about six months or so ago, and that's establishing a JTR Hall of Fame every week, just putting somebody in just to talk about you know, some of the legends here and there. And I even have a – I've got a graphic. Look at that. Look at that. I know, right? <laughs> what do you like, know? So, our first, uh, our first choice, I think, and for I already mine. <laughs> as we go forward, I'll I'll make it more open to the public, if you will. Is uh, it's kind of the guy that's got to be first for any Hall of Famer for pro wrestling, and that's this guy, right there. Eight oh yeah, the world himself, Andre the Giant. Yeah, look at that. He posed for that picture for me personally. <laughs> he said, freakishly. But seriously, how do you start with anybody but Andre if you're doing a Hall of Fame? No. If he didn't call you boss, though, he didn't respect you. <laughs> if I got him a <laughs> box of wine, he might. <laughs> or a box or two. <laughs> now, I, yeah, Andre is going to be in every Hall of Fame just because he's Andre the Giant. I mean, he's he's the he's the blueprint of the attraction. You had another guy who was like, what, uh, who was like Big Daddy over in in London, England. Yeah. <laughs> and like Haystacks, Haystacks Calhoun and a few other people Bob. that were like yeah, Baba, but Andre the Giant was the first person to, like, be athletic enough and big to actually be intimidating. 
yeah. and and be legit enough that people were afraid to cross him and people knew that reputation. So, I mean, he was pretty much a perfect storm. Yeah, if you go back and watch his matches in Japan in the 70s, it's incredible. He's young. He, he was doing drop. leapfrogs and drop kicks and things like that yeah. at 400 plus pounds. And uh, also, the first guy that I know of that did a tombstone pile driver. <laughs> well, according Rock to him doing that, the strong Kobayashi in Japan. But they never let him do it in the U.S., I don't think. Tombstone is one of those moves that's fine until you're sweaty. Yes. <laughs> They start to worry about it. I'll never forget the one that Kane did to The Undertaker at WrestleMania when he like had a face was holding him around the butt so his head was like below his knees. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, he's going to kill him. Well, Taker, in that first match they had, Taker gave Kane, what, three tombstones? Three, yeah. And he stuck him on one of them. Yeah. Might have been a receipt. I remember that. <laughs> Because you do a kid, Kane's a big dude. I mean, I'm sure that was not the. I don't know how Undertaker has knees left after doing tombstones forever. I think that's why he started doing the choke slam. Probably or the last. I don't want to do a tombstone every night. (laughs) Doing a wedgie bomb after that. Right. That'd be the most. That was a cool move. That'd be the most uncomfortable power or power bomb of all time. Best one I ever saw was uh, he did it to Guido on SmackDown. Guido's Guido took 185 tops. So, dude could bump. So Taker picked him up, did the wedgie, you know, pick, then like, literally walked around the ring with him. Let everybody get a good look at him before he stuck him. Oh, Guido Maritano. Biggest feet I've ever seen. He had Andre's size feet. Oh, did he? Oh man, it looked like he was he had water skis on. If you if you really look at him, very it's tough. Like proportionally <laughs> to the rest of his body, they're massive. You know what they say about a guy with big feet, Gary? Say, big shoes. Got big feet. <laughs> yeah, large shoe. Yeah. Has a has a big sock budget. Yeah. Oh, but, so uh, one last thing about Andre before we. Uh, on. He was all, I think he was one of the, not one of the first, but one of the biggest like crossover stars in wrestling. Yeah. Between wrestling, then he did Bigfoot on the Six Million Dollar Man. He did Princess Bride. He did all this stuff. And nowadays in wrestling, there aren't a lot of household names like outside of a John Cena. But everybody knew who Andre the Giant was. From almost pretty early in his career, he was getting his the word was getting around that much, and he would go on your Letterman's, your Johnny Carson's, all that whenever they were like in, in town for for those shows, and uh, he never let his multiple teeth get in the way of conducting an interview because he was a little hard to understand sometimes, but that yeah. kind of added to his mystique. 
one of my favorite t-shirts you own, Gary, is Andre the Giant kindly offering everyone a peanut. Yeah, I gotta find that somewhere. That's somewhere. Alright, so yeah, Andre, once again, our first inductee into the JTR Hall of Fame, and we're gonna do this every episode to have somebody new, but I think he's a good starting point. And with that, and Gary, I got really, I might have gotten a little carried away with all of these graphics and things on this, uh, <laughs> on this heat. I'm, I'm trying to make, I'm going all just sports, sports center going on here. And you, which means it is Tuesday, as you know, which means it's time for Top 10 Tuesday. Brought to you by ProWrestlingTees.com. And that's the kind of businessman I am. I haven't mentioned for JTR merchandise and now JTR Podcast Network merchandise, you can go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash JTR Pod. Check it all out. You got We got some cool stuff there, so go and uh, pick out some cool stuff. And uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Helps us keep the lights on, keep the mics going, even though this one doesn't sound particularly great. But I digress. So our Top 10 Tuesday subject today, Gary, and I think I can get some entertaining thoughts out of you on this. Greatest promoters slash bookers of all time. It's very much a subjective list, but what list that I come up with is not. It's like, get the, there's so much to think about. You know, you got to think about, did they draw money? Did they come up with great characters? Did they, you know, were they successful? So I think I covered everything pretty well. And we're going to start with number 10. Our number 10, Vern Gagne from the AWA. Not the most modern thinking uh, promoter in the history of the business, Gary. But uh, he, had some, he had some really good stars for a long time that got uh, wooed away by uh, the almighty dollar later on. Yeah, I agree. He had a lot of, a lot of guys came through there like the Rockers and Hogan and Mr. Perfect. And um, you had weirdo characters like Baron Von Roschke and stuff that he actually got over. Yeah, Yeah, it was very old school. But he was able to keep keep AWA alive up in the frozen north for probably longer than it should have been. Who knows how many wrestlers got pneumonia training in that barn of his up in Minnesota. Instead yeah. of winner. I mean, it's one thing to be an old school guy, but I mean, come on. You're a wealthy man. You can afford a heater. But I digress. So, yeah, Vern's number 10. Uh, number 9, I went more of the Booker route on this one. Hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert, my number 9. He was a Booker pretty much everywhere he went and was really good at it. Between Mid South and Memphis. The original ECW, WCW, he was always had a had a hand in the, uh, the booking, and uh, I think one of my favorite angles was Mid South when he was landed to the Russians. You remember this, Gary? Yeah. And it's also my favorite Jim Ross moment when they whacked Bill Watts with the shovel and covered him with the flag. Poor old Jr. was having a fit. He was. It was like Jr. Hell in a Cell JR, but like 10 years earlier. 
we have another cat to deal with. Yeah. I have three of them on my lap. <laughs> yeah, well, mine tried to come make an appearance, but she got distracted. But yeah, so hot stuff I put on there for. Uh, also, we mentored Paul Heyman, which says something. Yeah. Like Heyman was his assistant booker for years. But moving on to our number eight. Boom. Fritz von Eric. World class. His ability to bring money out of that territory was pretty impressive and get draw for that territory. Yeah. I mean, Drew, how many thousand people when Kerry won the title? Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Then also, he kind of revolutionized global television. on in Israel in the 80s. Yeah. And, uh, he, uh, in, his people created the multi-camera format where they put the cameras up on the apron. So he had a, a big uh, big hand in how wrestling was presented in Japan. I'll, I'll look back and I'll get that for you. God forbid I be prepared. All right, number seven. Easy E, Eric Bischoff. Now, a lot of people probably think he should be higher. I do not. I think if he didn't have Ted Turner's checkbook, I don't know how successful he would have been. But for his merits, he did create Nitro and the NWO and all that stuff. I mean, he took a company that was doing nothing and was just floundering. And just a few years before, you couldn't even be thrown over the top rope and turned it into the biggest wrestling company in the world for yeah. almost a year. Uh, 83 weeks. He's, yeah. Uh, he beat Nitro, or Nitro beat Raw. Yeah, so. So, I mean, just that alone. Should, would put him in some sort of Hall of Fame at some point. I mean, he drew with a company that nobody thought you could draw with, with guys that Vince didn't see enough in anymore to keep. But, but when you look at it too, you can also look at it in the he rang that sponge dry. And then didn't have another idea. <laughs> yeah. So, but if he needs to be in a top ten just because of what he what he was able to do within those eighty three weeks. You gotta wonder if he would have been successful 
like a week to go through with themselves and say, what would I have to do to get this? You know, money didn't happen. Expenses swooped in. Changes the whole uh, landscape for everybody. Yeah. But I agree. I think I think Bischoff is in the WWE Hall of Fame. The guy who's in the Hall of Fame is Eddie Grant, Florida, Mark. Mentored Dusty Rhodes and Bill Watts. Had a book, and the kayfabe cousin is superstar Billy Grant. <laughs> and he also did the World Cup. Yeah, Eddie. He he started at Florida Championship, right? Yeah. And uh, that was for nine years, I think. Yeah, that there was there's quite a few actual good, pretty good angles that came out of old Florida. Yeah. Yeah. But, Yellow dog with Barry Windham. The infamous Brody Luger cage match with Florida under under Eddie's watch. Uh, what was it? The was it not Steve Kern? Oh, I what? can't remember. Damn the gimmick know. match, the the series of matches they had with the guy who's I just saw it on the on Tales from the Territory. I can't remember which wrestler it was, but like the guy had death threats, he couldn't leave his house for months. But, but yeah, they had some really good angles. Yeah, he's a really creative booker. Yeah, like I said, he taught Dusty Rhodes everything he knew about booking. So, Dusty Rhodes. It's a real teach a man to fish kind of situation here, you know? Yeah. So number five, there you go, Paulie, Paul Heyman. Nobody did more with less than Paul Heyman in ECW. <laughs> On the uh, you know kayfabe, you know he was everybody knows he was taking a little bit of the money from Vince. Just I've, I've often wondered if he would have had like Bischoff's payroll. Like, just the ability to pay the guys and the ability to, like, survive some ups and downs. But I don't think they would have pushed the envelope as far as they did then. He would have just hired bigger names. So, yeah. like, but then again, as much as I love ECW, especially now when I watch it, I, I kind of look at it with disdain just because... I always thought, well, it's it changed wrestling, but it did, but not all for the better. Yeah, I mean because all the chair shots, all the gimmick matches, and that's when all the wrestling started, where you could hit somebody with nineteen moves in a row, and then they're going to kick out. And but Paul did that because nobody had ever done that before, and he was smart enough to realize he had to stand out. And besides all that, he had some of the more involved storylines in wrestling 
I'll never forget. Well, Tommy Dreamer was involved in like 19 of them at the same time, usually. But Tommy versus Raven versus Mikey versus. And then he would be wrestling Punk. What was it? Okay, it was Dreamer. And Dreamer and Spicoli were feuding at the same time Dreamer and Raven were feuding. And then I think Funk came in at the end of that feud. And then I think the feud with uh, Brian Lee was somewhere in there, right? <laughs> Lee was, he was feuding with Lee and Raven at the same time. Uh, yeah. But Foley, I think, came about after the Raven feud. Yeah, it might be. Like, he did a run-in during that last match with Raven. And then that was the feud. But that was while he was feuding with Van Dam and Lawler. But yeah, I mean, he did, he did a lot of innovative stuff because he had to do innovative stuff because he didn't have the money that everybody else had to just rest on his laurels. Yeah, he kind of, if you look at the old TK, extenuates the positive, hides your negatives. Nobody did that better than Lawler. Yeah. He, we were talking about Bischoff not being able to hang with uh, Vince, but he, uh, yeah, Paul had no pyro, he had no huge budget for Diana Reed that and still made ECW one of the more popular programs on TV. So he should get a lot of credit for that. Plus he's an awesome talker and answer. Let's think five is a good spot for him. Uh, number four get the big cowboy Bill Watts mid south slash UWF. Um Calling Bill Watts an old school guy is kind of on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As far as being a promoter goes, I love that, and as much as we were talking about keeping kayfabe going, if he heard about a babyface and a heel even staying in the same hotel, they would both be fired. If, if wrestlers lost bar fights, they'd be fired. <laughs> if they weren't, they'd be oh. fined. Watts didn't, well, didn't fuck around. He, he didn't take any shit from people. It's one of those things, man. He's, <laughs> You're going to be a tough guy. you got to be a tough guy. Yeah. Bill's definitely a tough guy. Yeah. He's a guy I'd love to see write a book, have written a book. I don't think he'll ever do it because he's getting, he's getting up there. I mean, the next best thing is JR's book, you know. Uh, the first one, when he actually talks about his time with the Mid-South. But it's, it's such a weird time in the late 70s, early 80s for wrestling. Because Mid-South was, you had to drive 400 miles a night to get from one town to the next. And then you'd be playing for the Superdome at the end, whenever the big show was. But he had his TV that he did out of, whether it was the Irish Cable Boys Club or the Fairgrounds or whatever, it was really good, and it was for not a whole lot of people in the building. It was like one side of the building had TVs, and the rest of it was all like wide open with wrestling and everything. Like they put on like the JYD, Horndorf, DiBiase, Duggan, all those guys in the early days, and he made all those guys huge stars before they even got to be. Of course, Vince was such a 
Well, we didn't shake up Duggan too much. Took TD out, he got the fresh coat of paint. Just yeah. Getting fueled up. But I, I for one, I think DiBiase and Smith Southrun looks better all around than the WWF one. As far as working yeah. out. Kind of oh, yeah. Okay. DiBiase's Mid South run was. I mean, one of these days we'll have to do. Uh, my one of my favorite top ends would be best wrestlers to. Well, you probably have already done a best wrestlers not to win the title. Yeah. Win the yeah. title. Go back and look. But like Dibiase, is always in my like top three of that because he oh, was yeah, just absolutely insanely good at all facets of wrestling, and I don't, I don't understand how you have that guy and never put a title on him. And I know it was in the era of Hogan and Andre, but man, I mean, that's just a great guy for Hogan to chase. Oh, yeah. Or been their player. Or how, like, Jake Roberts never got a world title. I know he had issues, but, I mean. Has he got the Intercontinental title? Yeah, but, I mean, he never had the world title. I mean, he never had any title, but, I mean, rarely he's put the IC belt on Oh, he didn't have any title, did he? Oh, never did. How did he never have the IC title? Honky Tonk Man's had to have a run. <laughs> Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> yeah, to have a run. Yeah. Yeah. My, my personal favorite DiBiase moment was actually in Mid-South. Uh, the match with Flair on TV when he got busted open. Yeah. They took him to the back, put the big compression bandage on him. It's like the shirt of 76. And then he comes out fucking Murdoch brainbusters him on the floor. <laughs> All the while Jim Ross is losing. But yeah, but yeah, just finish up on Phil. That's just the kind of stuff to watch because he has, he could really get a small crowd to sound like a giant arena if he wanted to. Yeah, he was good at that. All right, number three. J. Founder of the WWF. And, uh, yeah, he's the guy that's responsible for the rise of San Martino. Um, made Bob Backlund the world champion for five years. And, uh, yeah, sold out Madison Square Garden how many times in 40 years, you know? 35 years. But he was like the quintessential like wrestling promoter back then. Just no delusions of ever being on television. Never wanted to cut a promo. Never wanted to have a match. I'm like, good time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was perfectly happy to stay in the uh, in the wings, you know, just just running the show. And it was as weird as it is to say. His company, his WWF in the 70s was very similar to the AWA, just for how much it was based on sports. You know what I mean? It wasn't as character-driven as when Luchador was. You doing all right there, Gary? Yeah. Winding down, though, to be honest with yeah. you. <laughs> 
for those of you who don't know, Gary is, uh, he's being a real trooper for me today. He's got a uh, bit of a migraine, so I'm trying not to talk too loud, but I don't think I'm succeeding. Oh, it's just the, the brightness of the light and stuff is more. But I got you. Well, we got, a more, we got a couple more, Gary, then I'm going to, I'm going to let you get out of there and go and be, be well. We'll do, we'll do better next time. I'll set up the light and use the laptop or use this again. Yeah. And we'll have lights and we'll have more of a format. Yeah. And eventually we're going to be actually in a studio together. <laughs> once, yeah. Uh, once that gets all worked out, hopefully next month. But uh, we'll have to see about that. All right. Number two. Uh, got Dusty. You got to have, have Dusty number two, right? Yep. The Bold Booth, been uh, War Games, Starcade, all the stuff that you did in Florida, you know. Just makes me wonder what would have happened if Vince would have let him like in on the creative process when he went to work for him in the eighties. I don't I don't understand Vince like his motives for some things because you get dusty. And you you know it had to have been punishment. That whole run. And punishment for what? Because he was a success outside of the WWE system? I, I don't get it. Because he was one of the hardest talents on the planet. He could do everything. And you just wasted him? Just because? Made him wear polka dots? Because? I don't. I don't. But as a booker and promoter, yeah, Dusty was, because Dusty was smart enough to realize that it was okay to book himself at the top. And a lot of people look at that as egotistical, but he knew his own value. And he knew what he can do, and he knew who he was going to be able to put over. Yeah, and uh, going back to... Uh his run with, uh, with Vince. I don't know if I buy the punishment angle. I mean, he was never going to be world champion because, like you said, it was it was Hogan's era there. But every feud he was in, he wound up coming out on top, whether it was Boston or Savage. And River, he wasn't there very long. He was only there for about a year and a half. Yeah. And he got his son over. He got, uh, <laughs> he got Sapphire over. <laughs> yeah. Good old Juanita. Oh, Sapphire. And uh, Wayne, yeah, you said surprised you didn't have anyone out of Memphis on your list. It was I was close. I thought about having Jerry Jarrett on there, but uh, I couldn't remember how to do the impression. <laughs> I, I don't think Mem. Although Memphis had some huge TV ratings, mm-hmm. I without the Kaufman. Baller angle. I'm not sure <laughs> if they would be talked about more than like Smoky Mountain. Yeah, I mean they were huge in Memphis, but they were very under underutilized anywhere else. Except I mean they had there. they had a gigantic TV following in Memphis. Yeah. Like if you if you lived there, you watched. Memphis wrestling. 
It was crazy. Elvis was a fan. Yeah, Elvis <laughs> was a fan. Like, everybody just, oh, people would come out of the fields, they would do whatever it was, and they would come and watch Memphis Championship Wrestling, which is, is an impressive feat. But without Kaufman and Lawler, I'm not sure if you have anybody really remembers. And they couldn't keep that promotion running even after they had that gigantic angle. So. So we have one more, Gary. I'm going to give you one guess who it is. Uh, um, the guy who recently retired? <laughs> you mean this guy? Yes. Vincent Kennedy McMahon Jr. Now say what you want about his personal issues or his life or any bad decisions he's made that led to his retirement. Uh, shit. <laughs> He went global when nobody was going global. Nobody even thought about it. Oh, uh, yeah. He, uh, he took so many risks and got paid off. Got, he is the, the poster boy for risk-reward. Risk yeah. He's, like, the later in his career he got, the more out of touch he got. But early in his career, he was just, just like, I almost want to say he wasn't ahead of the curve, but he was just slightly behind it. Like, because he knew what he could, like, he, he never went, stepped out of, like, something where he didn't have a grasp. He, he didn't try to do WrestleMania before he knew he could do the closed-circuit television stuff and actually get it broadcast everywhere. He didn't, like, try to, like, do some sort of weird TV deal with, like, a major network. He, he knew what he could do, and this was a new thing, but he also realized that people would buy it. And then with Wrestle, the other WrestleManias, and he looked at like the success that Memphis had with Lawler and Kaufman. And what what was that? All the manias. You had 14 celebrities. You know, you had Mr. T in a match. You had Cindy Lauper bringing people to the ring. You had Alice Cooper, you had Liberace. You had all these. He, he knew that then mainstream and wrestling could mix. And then he looked at, it's like, okay, what else can we do? Oh, we, well, I, we can do cartoons, we can do this, we can do that, we can merchandise, we can, and it almost bit him in the butt in the 90s because he was running him, you know, like he was the only gang, game in town. WCW kind of bailed him out by being WCW, giving him competition. And that was probably when he was at his most dangerous and most creative was in that attitude era because he was once again risk reward nothing left to lose if he lost he lost everything and he just decided he wasn't going to do that so yeah Vince by far greatest promoter of all time Biggest what? Biggest carny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was the ultimate yeah. carny. Oh, carny. 
but yeah, literally bet the house on the first WrestleMania. Yes, yeah. literally. They, they said if he if that was a failure, he would they would have had to shut down. They wouldn't have been able to recover. From what I heard, he was living in the trailer. Like he had yeah. piled all the money back into the business. He was living in a trailer with Linda. And because he wasn't taking hardly any of the money from the business. So, yeah, he, he bet everything on WrestleMania. And it paid off. Yeah. I would say, like, so, like, I, I guess if I had the ability to honorable mention, it would be, like, a duel uh, in Noki Baba. Yeah, I almost had an Oki on there, just for New Japan. But and the only reason I would... Been on there, you know? Yeah, but like, Inoki and Baba, I always put them kind of together, because without the other one, I don't think they would succeed as well as they did. Because I think it was that competition that spurred them. Yeah. And it was, they, their promotions were different enough, but uh, but man, they they did almost go under a few times. <laughs> so, and all Japan's still not. I don't think they're they're doing great, but they're still around. So I mean, that's why I would put them on honorable mention because they've been around a long time. All Japan and New Japan have been around a long time. So. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a few honorable mentions you can put on there. Uh, Jim Barnett's one, Paul Bosch, of course. When he even going to the LaBelles and the Mustangs, you know, there's... Who, who, who is the guy who started... Who is the guy who started UWF, Herb? Herb oh, Herb uh, Herb Abel. Abel. on my list. Talk about going down in flames, man. <laughs> oh. oh. That, that was awful. Yeah, anybody that, that hasn't seen the UWF episode of Dark Side of the Ring, I suggest you do it. They used to have UWF wrestling on ESPN uh-huh. a few years ago at like, it'd be like two or three in the morning, but they also had AWA. It'd be AWA and then like UWF, but I remember UWF, it was always, uh, oh, what was his kid? Bruno's kid. David San David Martino. Yeah, David yeah. was there, I believe. Yeah, it was awful. And I think Global was after UWF, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so there's plenty of choices. Herb Abel's not be one of them. But, uh, no. Yeah, so I think that's a good uh, spot to wrap up, Gary. Uh, thanks for uh, powering through for us here. And like I said, the next one will be... Uh, We'll be able to see your shining face a little more because it'll be able to yeah. stand light. And we will have a more definitive timeline. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe we'll do a watch-along. You know, I learned, Gary, that recording a watch-along for a podcast is way better when it's not just one person doing it. <laughs> because that was our last episode. I did Halloween Havoc. But I didn't have this all figured out, so I just, you know, I'll just do it on YouTube. Just nobody who who doesn't like watching um, me 
just sitting watching a computer screen on YouTube for three hours and talking about wrestling. If anybody well, watched that whole YouTube feed, I will give them five dollars. Uh, just one person, the first person, not everybody. All right, so, so Gary, we will do this again soon, sir. Hopefully, about two weeks, you know, our usual timeline. And uh, for those that don't know, Gary and I are a uh, an acoustic rock juggernaut called the Third Wheels. Uh, we play once a year. <laughs> Hopefully, more coming up. Yes. So you can check us out on uh, Reverb Nation if it's still a thing. And uh, yeah, there's some stuff on YouTube. So. If you feel inclined, check that out. Uh, next week, like I said, we'll be back. Who knows? We might like said, we might do a watch along. We might. Uh, who knows? We'll figure it out. And then, uh, yeah. So until next time, uh, prowrestlingkeys.com slash jtrpod for all your stuff in the real merchandise. Help keep the mic on. Uh, Twitter at jtrpod. Instagram at jumping the rail. Uh, this will be dropped on Thursday on uh, all your podcast platforms. Apple audible podbean spotify and uh yeah so i think that just about covers it so for gary this is redmond i want to remind you all that life is hard so work stiff see you later (laughs) 